This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. Branding starts with leveraging your content. We started to do is start to integrate with all these other content sources. That could be you know, Getty Images, theme photography sources, highlight clipping tools, all these different sources that had metadata associated with, with it. So that content would flow into Greenfly and then get automatically routed to what we call galleries, which is the individual access points of everybody using the platform. That's Daniel Kirshner, CEO of Greenfly, dedicated to helping athletes and teams have ready-made content to upload at all times. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. How do you turn around good content quickly when you want to capitalize on a moment? That's where companies like Greenfly come in, helping teams, players, and leagues have all their clips ready at a single click. Our guest this week is Daniel Kirschner. He's the CEO and the co-founder of Greenfly, which was founded about nine years ago as a digital platform that empowers sports and entertainment organizations to automate the continuous flow of short-form digital media. Let's see where we are in connection with the fan base. Hey, Daniel, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Great to be here, Bram. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys do. So Greenfly is a what we call a software-as-a-service platform. It's used, as you said, uh, largely by sports organizations and entertainment companies to gather, organize, and distribute short-form content. So by short-form content, photos, short videos, basically anything other than a kind of live continuous broadcast. So we work with many professional sports leagues in the United States, like Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NXL, and many leagues in, in Europe as well. And for those leagues, uh, Greenfly is used to actually organize content that's captured on the field, often with mobile devices, uh, for, for social media and other distribution purposes. It's also used to organize content from other sources, so from team photographers, photography partners, highlight clipping tools, brings it all into one collaborative space, and then you can distribute that content automatically to anybody you want to get that content to, including most prominently the players and athletes. So with the leagues that we work with, we usually have over 95% of the athletes with their app on their phone, and that's where they get access to all their photos, their highlight clips. So if you go to the Instagram feed of, you know, an MLB player or something like that, and you see them posting you know, a you know, great photo from the game they just played or huh. a beautiful highlight video, um, that's where they're getting it. I hadn't thought about where that came from. Initially, you, you would think that what this is about is aggregating all the things that the team has for the purpose of the team branding itself and reaching out to its fan bases. Yes. But this can be utilized by the players to help promote their own brand. So they are aligned on this, the teams, the leagues, and the players. Absolutely. And to be clear, the players, I'm mean, sorry, the teams are also using it for their social media channels. The league is using it for their social media channels. Often the content is provided and distributed to broadcast partners to use, to sponsors, 
but yes, it includes the athletes as well. And it's a great alignment because, you know, basically this is, this is the content that, you know, gets fans excited, gets them to games, gets them watching TV, you know, uh, obviously exposes them to, to brands on, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jersey logos and, and, uh, you know, brands in stadium and things like that. So, so it's really something that's really valuable, uh, any way that it reaches the fan. And so these are all incredible distribution channels, the teams, the league channels. Uh, you know, broadcast partner channels, but also the athletes as well. I mean, we've talked to a lot of people about modern engagement from the team perspective. And we've talked to a lot of people about the athletes who have been empowered by social media platforms to brand out, do what they want to do. Um, this is an interesting workaround, I think, so that they can stay kind of on message with one another, right? Because I think there were divergent paths there that were happening for a while where athletes were promoting things that, we're either, I don't know if not in the team's best interest is the best, best way to put it, but certainly kind of off message from what the team was trying to promote. Yeah, I mean, this is really, when you talk about the athlete distribution part of what we do, it's really about giving those athletes content, uh, access to content that the team and league wants to provide to them. So, I mean, they're still sharing it, of course, voluntarily because they love it as well. And they love to feature the stuff that they're doing on the field. But you're absolutely right. Like, this is content that has value to the league and the teams, you know, it's really a mutually beneficial uh, flow of content. And so, um, and so it really does, uh, you know, uh, provide uh, really terrific content from the league and team perspective for the athletes to use. So it creates that kind of alignment and also just provides a direct line of communication, you know, mutual appreciation. I mean, it's something that people have told us also can strengthen relationships between teams and athletes and, and league and the athletes and things like that as well. So it's just a great, you know, kind of collaborative environment that everybody can participate in. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. You co you co founded this with Sean Green, who's a former very good Major League Baseball player. That was nine years ago. Um, why did you do that yeah. in 2014? So the short answer is Sean did it first. He started working on it. Sean and I are first cousins. Uh, we grew up together, um, and he had started working on this uh, when he uh, on his own. And, and, and I started helping him out and really participating and, uh, and collaborating together. So this, the original idea really came from Sean. It was something he was already working on. I was an executive at the video game company, Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'd moved back to Southern, I'd moved back to California, to Southern California. So we were living in the same area and really just spending a lot of time together, kicking it around. But it really came from Sean's thoughts on how players interacted with teams and leagues and media and his own experience as a player and the rise of social media and, you know, the development of, of the smartphone and, and camera based phone and, and all those different things coming together. So he really is the one who, who deserves the credit for having that original vision. And, and what was his thought process here that he, that he didn't like the media controlling what his brand was, or was it just more about, I want to share more, but I have no access and ability to share more. Like what, what was the genesis of all of this? So I mean, like like a lot of uh, a lot of platforms that have been around for you know almost nine years, we've evolved a lot over time. So originally, he was actually thinking about requests for content from him and how he could provide responses to that. So the platform is actually bi-directional. So in addition to sending content to people, you can request content from them, and that was where he started. That was the original idea that he had. He was thinking about you know media requests. He was getting requests from the teams that he played at, you know, in retirement. And he was really thinking about how do you get access to, to content from people and really taking advantage of, you know, at that point, a much, a much newer device, you know, the iPhone. Um, 
in order to in order to supply that kind of content. So that was the, the original problem we started with. And then we realized, especially once we started working on it together, that once you create this connection between a league, team, athlete, you create these connections, you can start to move content on these connections in all sorts of ways and, and use it to communicate in all sorts of rich ways. So it really, it really develops organically from there. Okay. So take me from 2014 to let's do pre-pandemic. Um, how did the company change and grow in those five, six years? So uh, there's a bunch of sort of critical moments of, of evolution and, and growth prior to the pandemic. I, I think, you know, one of those is one I'm just alluding to. So it started with this idea of getting content from people. And we realized, oh, you can also get content to people. And, and over time, that became kind of the, the, the dominant use case or, or the primary use case is, is distributing content through the platform and gathering content often from staff and then distributing it to athletes and partners. So that was, that was one evolution. I think the other big thing that we really started to put into place prior to the pandemic is really integrations, automation, and scale. So if you think about the platform as it started, it was really somebody logging in and almost like you send a text message, you're sending a specific request to somebody or a specific piece of content to a specific individual. And what started we started to do is we started to integrate with all these other content sources. That could be you know, Getty Images, Team Photography sources, highlight clipping tools, all these different sources that had metadata associated with with it so that content would flow into greenfly and then get automatically routed to what we call galleries which is the individual access points of everybody using the platform so all of a sudden you go from like a few different you know specific pieces of content a day you know hundreds you know maybe in a month to hundreds of thousands even millions uh, of pieces of content for a league just flowing through our, our platform automatically getting automatically routed automatically distributed you know, thousands of different people getting access to that content in a way that's curated specifically to them. That kind of scale, automation, integration, all those things were things that we layered in in the years, uh, you know, headed into the pandemic. Okay. And then what happened in 2020 for a couple of years with all of this um, going on? So, it, I mean, it was a period, it was it was interesting. Like, it was a period, original, uh, original kind of moment of, of people kind of freezing for a very short period of time. Um, you know, obviously people were continuing to use our platform, but they're trying to figure out what to do. And then pretty quickly, you know, by Q3 2020, it really became a period of, of really rapid growth. I think, you know, one of the things about our platform is it's designed for remote collaboration. People were, you know, separated. They weren't able to work together in the same way. And so that really made the platform even more valuable. Uh, getting content from people became more important. Uh, we started to layer in additional tools around getting content from fans remotely and things like that. So you can integrate, you know, fan content into this experience and distribution. And then in general, there was just an acceleration of these kinds of trends that we've seen around the focus of short form content. Social media hit incredible heights of activity and engagement during that period of time. So that was something that was also, also valuable for us. And even from a business operations perspective, we became a lot more international because, um, you know, the meetings and stuff became much more focused on virtual meetings as opposed to travel, and that enables yeah. us to really cover the globe in a way that we would not have been previously. So it just led to lots of different uh, you know, points of acceleration for us as a business. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. What do players want? What kind of content are they interested in having and sharing now? That's a good question. It's something that we're always thinking about and analyzing. Um, there are a few kinds of content players want. First of all, if a player has an incredible game, they want, you know, generally they want to make a post about that game or, you know, an Instagram story or whatever it is, you know, with, with content that, you know, in some way encapsulates their success. If they're a soccer player, you know, they're running back from a goal or something. If they're, you know, a baseball player, it might be a, a, a swing around a crucial home run. Um, but uh, players always want content correlated with their success where they can really celebrate that. So that's something that, you know, we, we you know, think about a lot and, and, uh, and, and people set up a platform to make sure that people are getting access to that kind of content. There's other kinds of content that performs very well um, that people really love that might be less... Um, Obvious people like arrival content at stadium. So that's, you know, athletes like to share, you know, uh, often like a lot of athletes are very stylish, like those walk in photos and, and videos and things uh-huh. like that. Arrival content does really, really well on um, celebration content. Another thing that we see is there's also often a desire to celebrate teammates who do particularly well or have big milestones. People want to do that as well. That kind of content. So those are some of the examples of, of content okay. that, that performs really well. And um, what do the fans want? What what are you seeing? What do they want? The fan, you know, it's a it's a it's a good question. I mean, it's very similar actually. I think there's a strong correlation. I think part of the things about social media is it provides a lot of feedback. You know, what happens is fans respond to content, and that content performs really well, and players see that, and they want more of that kind of content. So you end up with a really uh, kind of neat feedback loop between what fans like and and what players like to share. Um, again, like those key moments are are always going to be. Uh, incredible, right? You know, when, when LeBron James, uh, you know, broke the point record, he shared a bunch of, you know, fan videos, for example, like that kind of thing is really powerful. And that's a big moment. Fans love that kind of content as well. So that's an example of, of, uh, content that fans want. Fans love to share those key moments. Fans love the arrival content. Fans love the celebration moment. Fans love it when players call out teammates. They love to see that camaraderie. So often, you know, a, a teammate has a great game or, or achieves a career milestone or, is retiring content of, of a player that they like with that teammate and really talking about that teammate always does really, really well. So I think it's a really neat correlation between what players like to share and what fans they respond to. And I think that correlation is fed by the way that social media works as well. Okay. And how about platform trends? What have you seen over nine years of where players and fans are interacting and 
where do you see that going in the immediate and long-term future? Will Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat be the places people go? Or what kind of trends are you watching on platform use? So one of the advantages of Greenfly is that you know, we're platform agnostic. So as these platforms have changed, as the kind of content has changed, like that's changed the content flowing through our system, that's changed the places the content goes. You know, we don't necessarily have to see where the fuck is going to, to, to just respond to it. Like all of a sudden, you know, we noticed that a lot of content was getting, you know, shared with Instagram stories. And as TikTok rose, a lot of content started getting shared with TikTok. And, and those were things that happened really organically. I mean, there's been a lot of evolution over our time period. You know, when we started, um, it was really photos. Uh, and then, you know, pretty quickly that became videos. Um, there was a real focus at, or in the early days of Greenfly around you know, much more produced polished videos. And that really evolved into, you know, vertical videos, short form videos, much more immediate and uh, kind of raw behind the scenes kind of content. Uh, that's really risen. Uh, you know, so, I mean, when we started, there, there were, you know, I don't, I don't know if Instagram stories had even launched, but like Snapchat. I mean, these things were all in their infancy. Uh, you know, really saw the rise of the vertical video, the rise of the short form content, all that kind of stuff happened with our platform. You know, certainly TikTok was something that, that didn't exist uh, when we launched and has become, you know, a really um, major form of content. I think one of the things that we're seeing is kind of, I would say it's kind of an evolution. So you went, went from, you know, still content to kind of produced video content to much more raw and immediate vertical video content. I think now what you're seeing is an interesting kind of creativity around uh, like, you know, TikTok content and vertical video content where I wouldn't call it like produced in a traditional sense, but there's a lot of creativity often editing, like different things going on in the content that's very creative. And so we're seeing more of that. So it's almost like coming full circle to, I wouldn't exactly call it polished. It's its own medium, but it's definitely, uh, there's definitely a lot of like creativity involved in, in the production presentation and delivery of that content. In terms of like what platforms that, you know, I think the smartest thing to do is not bet on anything. As I said, you know, people thought Facebook was, you know, insurmountable and, and then Instagram, of course, which is obviously owned by that same company, but still that, that rose in prominence and became by far the dominant platform. But then TikTok came along and, and that's had an incredible impact as well. So, you know, I think it's, it's safe not to uh, assume that things are just going to stay the same forever. But for us, it's all about facilitating the movement of content behind the scenes. And so as these, uh, you know, uh, platforms evolve and change, new platforms come along, like we're always going to be there to serve it. Okay. And let's talk about technology for a minute. Obviously, there's a tremendous amount of momentum and change in the AI space. Um, how do you kind of view that as modern content continues to develop? So I, I think that's a massive trend and, and really significant. Like, I don't think the impact of AI is, in any way, I think it's going to have a profound impact on a lot of things in our society and certainly in sports content. I would say two kind of immediate things. I mean, I would say personalization, customization at scale is really something AI enables. So first of all, you know, AI is really powerful for filtering content, identifying content, identifying trends, and providing people uh, access to content that's really relevant to them. Uh, so that's really, you know, AI when it comes to kind of image recognition, scene recognition, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but AI is also really a powerful tool for generating content. I, I think, you know, what's interesting about sports is nothing's ever going to replace live sports. Like those moments are not, uh, you know, can't be simulated and, uh, and are always going to, uh, you know, be things that are best experienced in person or, or watching it. So 
But I think there's a lot of AI that you can do around generation of content around that. How do you take those images, add in data layers, produce original pieces of content, things like that. Um, I think, you know, content production from, from AI, content generation is also really interesting. So I'd say very powerful when it comes to organization and customers and very powerful when it comes to creation of content, not like simulating sports clips, but really adding in additional uh, data information, uh, you know, visual, uh, graphical elements and things like that in an automated way. Daniel Kirschner is the CEO and the co-founder of Greenfly. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. On the next Future Sport Podcast, player tracking goes next level. What we are delivering with Sportlight is a relatively complex technology platform. Uh, it's also a scalable and a modular uh, platform. It's a little bit different from some solutions out there, which are essentially boxed products, which are essentially there's a specific unit or a specific product that has a certain number of features, and you essentially try to ship as many boxes uh, as, as you can. That's Raph Koistermans, CEO of Sportlight, which is deep diving into technology that allows players and teams to understand their performance better. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.